Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities, from Kentucky Humanities, where we've been telling Kentucky stories for 45 years. Here is your host, Bill Goodman. Elaine Wilson is the uh, Cultural Diversity uh, Chief Officer, Director of uh, Cultural Diversity at Somerset Community and Technical College in uh, Somerset, Kentucky, and um, she's also involved in many, many other things. We'll find out a lot more about her uh, today uh, on our Think Humanities podcast, and uh, importantly for you, uh, the listeners and Kentucky Humanities, she's our 2018 board chair, and we're just delighted to have her at our microphone and uh, in the, the, the chair uh, of our uh, efforts uh, to uh, tell Kentucky's story uh, throughout the year in uh, 2018. Welcome, Elaine. Well, thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be here. Let us know, first of all, a little bit about you, your background. Um, your, uh, from. We'll just give you uh, your chance. Uh, this is your life, Elaine Wilson. <laughs> thank you. I am from... Lexington, Kentucky, believe it or not. I am from right here. I was educated in the public schools here until I came to UK. I'd gone to all black schools, and of course you don't have those anymore. But I learned that there were that the most important thing in my life was going to be education. My mother drilled that into my head, and I do believe that. And Following that, I did enter a college preparation program at the old Dunbar School and did actually really well in uh, science and mathematics and English, of course, and uh, went on from there. My teachers at Dunbar wanted me to be an English teacher, and I did not. I thought that there had to be something more in the world to do than be an English teacher, although I'm not really <laughs> sure. It's a noble profession, of course. But uh, they worked on getting me into Kentucky State College at that time, and I got um, an academic and a music scholarship at Kentucky State, four years, full ride, and I had a friend of our family, uh, my father, my grandfather's employer, come to our house the summer before I was to go to college, and she said that I needed to go to UK, which turned out to be one of the best decisions that we ever made in our, in our family because I got an opportunity to go somewhere I hadn't thought about. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry. I wanted to be a medical technologist. I had already looked into it, and was convinced that that was what my life was supposed to be. I didn't know if Kentucky State had that opportunity or not, but I figured UK did. So I got enrolled at UK, and my first year I worked on a major of microbiology and did pretty well with um, most of the science classes, did excellent. But I decided I didn't want to spend uh, 30 hours a week in a laboratory underground like we had it at that time. So I changed my major to sociology and subsequently changed it to social work and ended up with a degree in social work community organization at UK. Let me just ask you a question about um, your background. Were the schools uh, in Lexington at the time, were they segregated? They were. And... Uh, 
Kentucky State University, uh, which now uh, has uh, a population, a student population of of, of all uh, uh, men and women, Correct. was was primarily a uh, a historically black uh, institution right. uh, at the time. Um, what about the University of Kentucky, and and how diverse mm-hmm. was the student population at the time that you entered? And I'm going to just to go out on the limb here and guess that. Uh, that there were not many African-American men or, and especially women at UK. There were not. In fact, um, at the time also, Kentucky State had an all-black student body, I'm sure. And it was a great opportunity, and I'm sure that's where most of my teachers in high school had gone to. And they thought that was the only place to go. At UK, I came there, oh, it's it was like... I'm trying to think how many years it was after the decision to uh, integrate the schools. Lyman T. Johnson had arranged for that to happen. And when I got there, there were very, very few people of color there. You could just count them almost on on one hand. Uh, One of the jobs that I got, I always had to work while I was at UK. I had a job in admissions later on. And we, one of my jobs was to count the number of uh, people of color who were students there and have us keep up with them. And there were very few that we needed to count. So Now, um, a moment of history, uh, f- uh, again, uh, for those of who might not know, okay. uh, Lyman T. Johnson. Lyman T. Johnson was a teacher in Louisville, who wanted to go to UK, and at the time, they had the Kentucky Day Law, which meant that people, black people, were not allowed to sit in the same classrooms with white people, and if you took classes from UK, you had to take them at Kentucky State, and you were not allowed to mix. And he filed a lawsuit in 1948 or 49 to have that change, to integrate the schools. He won that lawsuit, and he actually entered the University of Kentucky as a graduate student. So the first people who broke the color line in at UK were graduate students, and that first year, I think they had about 29 students who entered uh, to get a degree from UK. Five years later, they started allowing undergraduates to come to UK. We still deal with uh, racism today in, in mm-hmm. every aspect of our society and of our life. It seems like uh, uh, more so uh, now maybe than, than ever before, uh, there are conflicts. Uh, uh, what, what about at the time that you were in school? Uh, uh, overt racism uh, that, that yes. <laughs> you might still identify with today that was occurring uh, uh, at that time, even, and maybe even more so? I would say more so. Not being accustomed to being around uh, a lot of white people. I'm, I was a member of an all-black church, of course, and in our on our street, it was most of our family and people that we knew. However, there was a street, one street over from where I lived, that was all white. And what they did was they came over to our neighborhood. We went over to theirs. We got along with everybody. 
my mother taught me that nobody was any better than anybody else. And so at whatever level we met people, that's where they were. Uh, mother used to do day work, you know, cleaning people's houses, and she would take me on the jobs with her, and I would get along with the children in the family that she had to look after as she was doing her job. But when I got to UK, it was a whole different atmosphere. You know, all you saw were white faces everywhere, and my goal was to study and just do the best that I could because I knew I was a good student, and I expected everybody to treat me with respect. My second year, I, uh, I did, uh, I was going to say I applied to become one of the Kentucky Babes, which was a drill team out of the ROTC uh, function on campus. And I was the only uh, black person who, who uh, tried out for that, and I got it. In fact, I thought that I was uh, just looking at everybody else. I knew I was better than they were. I had been a cheerleader at Dunbar, and I had been practicing for years to be a cheerleader. There were certain moves and uh, certain rituals that you needed to learn that I just did real well. <laughs> I never got uh, above a sergeant, though, because I'm sure of my color. There, there was a girl who was our group leader who was the lieutenant, and she wasn't nearly as good as I was. I don't remember her name, so <laughs> we won't bring that up. But we went on uh, trips to different areas to compete. One of the places I went to was the University of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana. People treated you really well up there. Here on campus, I had people would, who would come up to me, people in our group or other students would come up to me and say, what are you doing here? You know, just like... You don't have a right to be here, so why are you here? And I had to explain myself to people that I was here to get an education, and that's what I was going to do. Now, along the lines, I was here at UK for four years, um, first-generation student, you know, first one in my family to get up, go to it, be able to go to college. And that in itself was a privilege. I knew that. But I ran into people who acted like they hadn't seen black people before. And so they would treat you differently always. And over the years, I met a few people who were very, very nice to me. But there were others who were not accustomed to being friends with people of color. And they didn't know what to do. So they just decided to be negative. What about your professors? I have, I can't think of but uh, one person that I had a little issue with, but overall didn't have any trouble. I was, it took me a while to get accustomed to 300 people's uh, classrooms, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. But in the, I had one class I didn't do well in, and I would talk to other students because they always had the, the idea about what to do, and it worked for them. They said, oh, I had a, a wonderful algebra teacher and I was one point away from an A. I knew I should have had that one point. They said, ah, just go talk to the professor. They'll give it to you. And I tried that. And he said, uh, no, you're not going to get it. That was one of the things that happened. I was having all kinds of trouble with one other class. And they said, oh, just go talk to him. He'll help you, you know, that kind of thing. I went to talk to him. He said, go read your book. You mm -hmm. know, and I wasn't happy about that. Mm -hmm. That that didn't set very well with me. But overall, I 
I was really excited about the education that I got at UK. There were so many things that I learned. I have nothing but positive experiences that I'm going to ever remember. And one of the things that happened, I was able to, because of the the field that I chose, I was able to get some really good experiences here. I made some uh, lifelong friends, people that I worked for in the different departments. Uh, I'll have to tell you this. I think this was funny at the time. I knew I needed to work at, you know, I had to have a job because I didn't get a scholarship or anything from UK. Although I was valedictorian, I thought, well, maybe they could have offered something, but they didn't. Were they offering scholarships? And I'm sure other people got them, but mm-hmm. I was I was not one of them. And I had applied late. You know, I didn't, uh, the lady didn't tell me to go out there until I was, it was like June or July. And so I didn't even, nobody offered me. They didn't say, you know why, you should apply for a scholarship. And I know that happens because I know it happens with our college right now. But uh, I worked, uh, I went to work study and I said, I really need to have a job. And they, they said, oh, okay, well, you can work over in the grill. I said, doing what? And at that time, they were steering all black people into food service you know, like to serve and whatnot. I said, I know that you've got other things that you can do. I had taken at Dunbar, you know, typing classes and whatnot. I was ready for a secretarial job. I said, you can find me something in an office and I would really appreciate it if you do that. And they did. They, the first job I had out here was stuffing envelopes. Well, you know, that's, there's not much to that. So from there, I was able to get uh, jobs as secretaries in some of the departments. I was in uh, the French department one year, and for my last two years, I was secretary for the social work department. So that was great. In my last semester, I was uh, working in a biochemistry lab at the uni- at the medical center. So I had all kinds of experience. So one takeaway for me uh, from this uh, <laughs> conversation will be that Elaine Wilson was a Kentucky babe. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, people criticize that name to this day. I don't know why. It was perfectly good at the time. Well, at the time, maybe that was it. I, no, were there the any time. male members of the Kentucky oh, Babes? Of course not. See, there's the <laughs> right But there. we did. We competed at every, we marched at every football game. Now, here's another thing. Of course, you know, we've talked about sports or, you know, you've talked with uh, uh, Dr. Appleton about the sports and whatnot. At the time that I was going here, of course, uh, Coach Rupp was in charge of the basketball, and I don't remember who was uh, football, but our competitions were always at the football games at halftime. Well, I never went to a, a game unless we had to compete at halftime. And I never went to any of the basketball games. They didn't have people that looked like me, and why should I? You know, And back then they didn't have football players either, so – it wasn't a very pleasant experience like it is now. So after UK, uh, you, you ah, launched into a professional career? Um, I did not. I went to graduate school. The experience at UK taught me that I needed to go further, and I was to choose whether or not I wanted to go to law school, which I really, really wanted to do, or should I go to social work school and not knowing any more than I did. I thought it would be easier to get money to go to social work school. And so I only applied to social work schools, and I did. And I ended up 
getting uh, scholarships at five different universities, and I chose the one that gave me the two years of full ride without having a commitment to a specific agency, and I could do whatever I wanted to afterwards. And that was where? At Case Western Reserve in mm-hmm. Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Was that your first venture um Outside out of, of sort of the geographic and out of state yes. and, and uh, Cleveland, Ohio. It that was. must have been a, <laughs> a, a, a a big move for you at that time for well, a young woman. It was not just a big move. It was huge in that the weather was so different. I hmm. and lived in Kentucky all my life, and we'd had some bad snowstorms and whatnot, but I had no idea what the that was like. The wind coming off Lake Erie is, that's exactly uh, is right. pretty uh, rough, I've, isn't it? I have told many times that that's where I got my first pair of, of winter boots <laughs> because I never needed them in Kentucky. And yeah. it, was, it was pretty interesting weather. The snow on the ground six months out of the year is different. So a lot of people would have thought maybe uh, you, can, you can take the... Uh, the girl out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the girl, that sort of thing. And there you were in the big city, and uh, um, uh, eventually you made your way back down here. Yes. I had a really great experience up there. I got a great education. And after I left Cleveland, I actually went to live in Ann Arbor for a couple of years. So there again, you know, you've got a different kind of uh, culture, so to speak. So I got to learn not only the culture of Cleveland, but also learned what it li- was like to live in Michigan. Had a great time up there, worked in uh, mental health agencies for the most part. I ran, uh, created and ran a drug program in Detroit. And at, that was my last thing I did before I moved back to Kentucky. So I moved back to Kentucky and, and settled here in Lexington for a while, worked at UK at three jobs, had um, three jobs that got me finished by 12 o'clock so I was laying by the pool after but um, but after that I, I met uh, my husband and we moved to Somerset Kentucky and there my uh, father-in-law told me I needed to apply at the Oakwood training facility which I did discovered that they needed a person with a master's level degree in social work so a job was created for me, and I worked there for many, many years. And again, tell us, uh, Oakwood uh, is a treatment center. It is a, a training facility for people with mental retardation and developmental disabilities. And it is a residential facility. At the time, uh, it had spaces for 444 residents, which in this day and time would never happen. But uh, the first year I was there, they decreased the census to 420 and I understand right now, even though I haven't been there for a while, that it's down to 100 or so mm-hmm. now. But and it's still in existence. It's still there. In Somerset. And I still, have, I still know people who are there. You're on the school board uh, in Somerset? I am. I have been on the school board for about 18 or 19 years. And that's Can't an elected remember. position. That's correct? an elected position. The first year it wasn't. Uh, there was a vacancy that somebody created by stepping down, and there was an application and interview process. I won the interview, beat out five other people, and was able to do that. But I had to run next year, so I've been an elected member for most of those years. So I'm chair of the board this year. Tell me about your position um, uh, at Somerset as at the community uh, college as, as chief diversity officer. When I left Oakwood, I had the opportunity to work at the community college, and the job that was created for me there, my second opportunity to have a job created, I was the professional development coordinator, and that's what I did for at least a year, year and a half, and the 
diversity director left to move up to a higher position. And I applied for her job and got that. That has been one of the most fascinating jobs that I've had in my life. I get to work with a team that's called the Diversity Initiatives Team, and we plan activities that uh, work all year. We have uh, something going on every month that has to do with getting our students to look at different cultures and uh, getting them to involve themselves with things outside of themselves so that they would be able to uh, be an influence globally if they had to be because they have learned something about other people's cultures. And that, that's so important in this day and time. One of the main uh, events that we do is an international festival we have in October. We have it the third a Thursday in October every year. I invite all the students from at least uh, five, six counties around. Everybody in the Pulaski County area is invited. We plan events based on uh, different cultures, different uh, countries. We make sure that we have a, um, a different kind of opportunity for various countries. We have exhibits, we have uh, speakers that come in, we have bands, we have, in fact, a Latino band from here in Lexington comes down, the Big Maracas. I think they perform down at the um, Main Street Thursday on Main mm -hmm. or whatever, they do that. We have them come, we have people on our own faculty who are, talk about like non-governmental non organizations, um, refugee camps. It just depends on uh, the kind of folks that I can draw to come and bring the whole world to our campus once a year. And of course, you do also have a number of activities around uh, a Black History Month and around uh, a Martin Luther King's birthday. In fact, uh, I'm working right now on our Martin Luther King weekend. We have had at the college a unity breakfast in Dr. King's honor for several years this year. We're going to have, as our guest speaker, Dr. Anton Reese, who is the new uh, president at the West Kentucky Community and Technical College, who is an African-American who has just been appointed there. He's going to be our speaker for that. And then that will be on the Friday before the holiday. And then on the Sunday before the holiday, we will have what we call our Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. community program. And at that program, we'll have somebody that you probably know a little bit about. Miss Renee Shaw is going to be our guest speaker for that occasion. We're really excited about that. One of the things that we add to that community program is a unity choir that consists of people from the community and whatever other musical opportunities we can bring to that. And this year, uh, we're doing something that we haven't done for two years. Two years ago, we held a unity breakfast in Wayne County at their uh, extension office. When we did that two years ago, we had standing room only. We had so many people that showed up. We didn't have, uh, one of the speakers was actually a person from that community who has lived up here and has done well. He came, he spoke. And one of the other things we wanted to do was to invite uh, someone to talk about 
uh, positive things about the black community there that people may not know. You know, we've talked about history and whether people know their history or not. I, for one, grew up here in town, never heard of any black history, you know, as far as that goes, just had to learn it on my own. We're trying to make sure that we invite somebody there to give some history that people can relate to that's from their own county. So we had somebody do that that then. This year, we're going to have a guest speaker who is a member of the Lake Cumberland Slaves Memorial Board who will talk about the Slaves Memorial that is being erected on the Somerset Community College campus to commemorate all those people who have not had the recognition before. So we will have that. Plus, we have one of our committee members who has gone around the Wayne County area and tried to find slave cemeteries that we can tell people about and other general bits of history that people may not know about. Well, you mentioned um, a, a, a music uh, portion of your uh, celebration on there. You're, you're quite um, well-known in, in this community and beyond uh, uh, for your love of music, uh, mm-hmm. for your training in music. Tell me a little bit about uh, uh, that area of your life. Well, thank you. Uh, I grew up in church and had a musical career, um, musical career in church. I think that I was allowed to join our senior choir when I was nine years old for some reason or other. I don't know why. Talent. Maybe, uh, well, maybe because my the the organist there was also my piano teacher. Where I've been, I started taking piano lessons when I was three years old, so that that didn't hurt anything, but. Uh, she taught us, and we had a, a wonderful opportunity to do things in church, which is true for a lot of uh, black people. But, you know, I was in every choir, you know, that there was at church. And the unity choir that we have uh, for our Martin Luther King event, we invite people from all over all the churches in town so everybody can be a part of that, thus unity choir. But when I was in high school, I was... I had a friend of mine who was able to get me into the Lexington Singers. So when I was in high school and college, I served in the Lexington Singers. Then when I went away and and came back, I didn't do a lot with the Lexington Singers. But in Somerset, there was a Somerset choir that was planning to go to Italy. I had never been out of the country, say, except to Canada. And I uh, was able to audition and be, become a part of that that group, and we got to go to Italy. But that group had rehearsals on Monday and Thursday, two nights a week. And I thought, I think the Lexington Singers only practice one time a week. So I auditioned and was able to get into the Lexington Singers, and that's been so fulfilling for my life. I love it. Uh, we just uh, completed our Messiah series for this year and uh, a few weeks before that we had uh, the opportunity to do uh, Elijah Mendelssohn's Elijah and we have many things throughout the year that 2009 I you were at the Kennedy Center that's right oh that's right our Lincoln had something to do with yeah. the Kentucky Humanities Council yeah. that was that a great opportunity oh it was yeah so uh, Elaine Wilson as um, as incoming chair of Kentucky Humanities uh, for 2018 how would you like to see uh, us um, uh, reach out and, and um, develop a, a more intentional diversity 
uh, effort uh, for all the people of Kentucky. One of the things that I've uh, become aware of since I've been on the council is we have well, few people on the board, for one thing, we could intentionally include more uh, people of color or people of various cultural backgrounds on the board. We have some, of course, but I would like to see us have more people involved. And the more people you have involved from around the Commonwealth, the more the word gets out to everybody in their areas and beyond. I would love to see us... Uh, capitalize on the programs that we have. We have a wonderful primetime reading program. I'd love to see us reach out to a lot of people throughout the Commonwealth about that. I know we have certain opportunities that we can do that. And I'll have to say, in the the time we had the primetime opportunity at the Somerset, in Somerset, we included more uh, Hispanic people in that program than I have seen in some of the others. And what makes it so wonderful about that is that brings more people into the libraries and it brings more people into the opportunity of learning what we want them to learn. And I think that's very positive. And if we could expand that kind of effort throughout the, the Commonwealth, I'm sure that that would be a great opportunity, not just for our program, but for the people we intend to serve. So we have the primetime uh, reading program. We also have the Chautauqua program, and I'd love to see that program expanded in all of the different counties across the Commonwealth. Well, we have some, some goals for 2018, and, and we'll be working on those together. Uh, it's going to be uh, such a pleasure to be with you uh, throughout the year. and. Um, I, I just am looking forward to it with uh, great anticipation. Elaine Wilson, who is the Director of Cultural Diversity at Somerset Community and Technical College, um, a, an outstanding citizen, uh, Chair of the Board of Education in Somerset, uh, and um, musician and, and uh, vocal um, uh, extraordinaire. Uh, we appreciate you spending some time with us on Think Humanities. You're too kind. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure and an honor to serve here. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities and is a production of the University of Kentucky College of Arts and Sciences. This podcast was created at the Media Depot. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud.